For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Believe in UCLA, the UCLA sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Sam Conan. And I'm joined once again by my co-host, Travis Reed. Travis, how's it going, man? How you doing, Sam? How you doing? I know you're nervous today for the game two of the NBA Finals. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, but by the time people are listening to this, uh, I guess you'll know what happens. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess we'll see. I'm feeling a little, a little confident coming off that game one win. But, yeah, no. uh, it's, it's going to be a long series. On that. It's, it's yeah, going to be yeah. a long series for sure. <laughs> So yeah, today we'll be talking uh, mostly Jules Bernard uh, deciding to stay in the NBA draft, go pro, where that leaves UCLA, what the outlook is for Bernard. Um, and that's that's pretty much the main topic today. And well, while we're recording this, there's also the UCLA baseball and softball games going on right now, <laughs> which, is, uh, which is fun. The, the women's team in the Women's College World Series and uh, mm-hmm. baseball is in the Auburn Regional. Uh, both those games are scoreless right now, so I'll, I'll keep an eye on those because those are definitely some uh, important games, uh, both teams facing elimination. Uh, Travis, do you ever, uh, w- when you were at UCLA your couple of years, do you ever make it out to a baseball or softball game to have that, like, inter-sport uh, support? <laughs> oh, definitely. We were encouraged to, like, go support other teams. Um, you know, like, at when I was there, our soccer team was, like, really good. They were, like, going yeah. to the national championship game and all that uh you know so they um yeah so like we we went to the so- softball games football games basically you know i try to get to everyone because i wanted to have the experience you know uh going to those games yeah for sure i, I think that's that's been something cool when, when i've been going to these uh the softball tournament games that were at easton a few weeks ago seeing um kenny churchwell and the football team he was at some of them uh gina conti from women's basketball team so it, it was fun seeing a, a handful of different athletes from different sports at all those important tournament games packed crowd and everything so that's fun but yeah if you would like to listen to us talk every week about ucla sports uh, make sure to turn on notifications like subscribe whatever on spotify apple podcasts google amazon wherever you're listening we're there you can find us so make sure to tune in as as often as you can we really appreciate it our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info find all the latest odds news and sports developments including this year's basketball championship finals the nhl hockey conference finals major league baseball the latest fighting news and even next season's early nfl futures 
head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. And with that out of the way, let's get into it, Travis. Jules Bernard on Wednesday night took it down to the wire pretty literally. I think it was uh, five minutes before the deadline that, <laughs> that he announced he was staying in. I guess if he had missed the deadline, he would have stayed in anyways, so it wouldn't have made a difference. But it uh, definitely had a lot of people on the edge of their seat awaiting his decision. He decides to stay in the draft. It's an interesting decision. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of layers to it because, I mean, he's, he's been here for four years. He's got his undergrad degree in econ. So he, he's got that done, the, the box checked. Um, he's developed a lot over the last four years, probably the mm-hmm. pinnacle of what this current coaching staff wants out of its guys. The guys who come in as talented guys, but, maybe reckless Uh, you look at Jules Bernard as a freshman and sophomore and he was a turnover machine drove without direction and you look at him in the past two years and wow he's a really good secondary ball handler a really good shooter Um, just he does a lot of stuff for your team he's a long wing who plays solid defense and that development was really good to see so even if he's not coming back next year I feel like Mick Cronin and his staff have got to be proud of, of Jules Bernard and what he accomplished and how they helped him accomplish that over the past few years. Uh, At the same time, though, he's not a guy who is currently in any NBA mock drafts. He was at the G League uh, elite camp, but was not one of the seven players who earned an NBA combine invite after that, despite him averaging 17 points per game with a six to one assist turnover ratio in those exhibitions. Uh, But it wasn't enough didn't get an NBA combine invite. A lot of people thought that would send him back to school and it it didn't. He got a a workout with the jazz and a workout with the Lakers. So maybe there's something there for them signing him to a two way or a G league contract. If he goes undrafted. So there's options there, but there, there are definitely a lot of different angles to his decision that he made last week. Well, I would definitely say that uh, he probably has some reassurances from his agent that some team, like he's not going to get drafted. I don't think he's going to get drafted. Yeah, it um, doesn't seem like it. Yeah, like uh, obviously if if his teammate is a late second round pick, how can he get drafted over his teammate? Um, yeah, Juzang and Peyton Juzang. Watson are the other ones in there. Yeah, like, and I, I Peyton, think yeah, Pey- yeah, they, Peyton will be like early second, Juzang's borderline late second. Uh, and yeah, Jules Bernard's the next guy there, but probably not on the board. Here's here's the good thing about being either a second round or undrafted player. Um, you can go to every team you want, whatever team that needs you, right? Uh, one, two, uh, as you saw with uh, with Hicks from a couple of years ago, who, who who was supposed to go to UCLA and ended up going to the G League. Um, oh, he oh just, station next, station next, station yeah. next, yeah, yeah. He signed a four a four year deal uh, after you know playing in the G League eventually with the Houston Rockets. So like what happens when you're a second round pick? You don't sign these uh, first round pick deals where basically the team has you under rights for five years. You can sign a two year and they get to your money really fast. Um, it was kind of like the Gilbert Arenas thing. Like Gilbert Arenas was a second round pick. 
Yeah, uh, the Warriors for a little bit and then cashed for, in with the Wizards. And cashed in with the Wizards, signed the $60 million, then a $100 million deal. So that's we're really same with, uh, this is a currently with Taylor Horn and Tucker with the Lakers. He was a second-round pick, or I think he was a second-round pick, and he signed a two-year, and then at, right after he signed a three-year, $30 million deal extension, like right away. So you're not under contract for five years like a first-round pick is. So that's the good thing about Jules. Like all the UCLA players, really, they, if they second round picks, they can get they can get to their money faster than a first round pick. So I'm thinking Jules probably had a reassurance that like somebody's going to pick him up, and they're thinking like, well, somebody's going to get you to either a two way contract or a, you know a two year deal to get you to a four year deal. Just kind of how it works. Yeah, that that's definitely a, a positive on his front. I think. He was uh, talking to the media after his workout with the Lakers on Wednesday, so the day he made his decision. Um, so it seems like there was maybe some amount of reassurance there. If, if you come out of that workout and head over to the, to the facilities and talk to the coaches a few hours later and say you're staying in the draft, chances are that team has probably made you some level of a promise. Whether or not they keep it, we'll see. Uh, and, and he definitely seems like a guy who would be happy on the Lakers. He's an LA guy. Oh, yeah, and yeah. He, he talked about the influence of Kobe and what it would be like to play for the Lakers, his hometown team. And, and the Lakers, like, like you were talking about with Taylor Horton Tucker, are a team that, as currently constituted, is a team that will call up G League guys and play undrafted guys because of the way that their money is allocated and the age of their stars and and certain unavailability periods for LeBron or AD or uh, whatever they end up doing with Russ. They're a very top-heavy roster, which means a lot of moving parts there at the bottom. So if Jules Bernard signs a two-way with them, there's a pretty good chance that he ends up going to the NBA in, in that first two years, depending on how long the contract is. So that, that'd be a good move for him. Uh, no, I, I think definitely. that that's definitely what he's he's looking for in this i i don't think he thinks he's getting drafted it doesn't seem like it um but that's definitely a very good option you look at his game though and it, he seems to you know check a lot of boxes for what nba teams are looking for and mick cronin has been on that all i mean two years really but especially his senior year jules's senior year um he isn't doesn't seem to be high nba caliber and all those things but he checks those boxes to an extent like he very lightly checks the box in well he's he's a good enough ball handler and playmaker the secondary option he's a good enough shooter he's got a good stroke good like lefty form and everything uh he uh can drive and and draw fouls and go to the free throw line and he's a, a good free throw shooter there he's long and athletic which means he's has a high floor as a defender Mm -hmm. so yeah his three-point shooting numbers weren't great this year and uh, his assist numbers weren't super high but he can kind of do a lot of things Um, I think coming back for an extra year would have helped him maybe be a great shooter or great at one thing or another Mm -hmm. but not going to be able to do that in college we'll see if he can do it in the G League and kind of take that leap and be a 40 percent three-point shooter there We'll see. I think um, it's going to be interesting to see. I think, you know, if you want to say his comp to a player, maybe like Alex Caruso, uh, if he can, you know, be a better defender, because Alex Caruso obviously is a tenacious 
defender. I don't know if he's as athletic. He's athletic. I don't know if he's athletic as Alex Caruso is. Uh, but let's just say that's his kind of comp. You know, kind of a tweener kind of guard who can kind of play one, kind of play the two a little bit. Um, that, you know, was a great player. Uh, that was a good, or not great, a good player in college. And like I said, and stayed four years. So, uh, you know, Jules has that kind of, you know, skill set, kind of like, a, like, like I said, Addis Caruso. And look at Addis Caruso, you know, won a championship ring with the Lakers and got got paid the next year. So, and he's been in the league now for, and obviously he started at the G League. Addis Caruso started at the G League and then worked his way up. So that could be Jules Pinar's path, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm looking now because you look at the the profile that Jules has, and he's a guard slash wing. He's six six, uh, and his like I said, his three point numbers weren't great this year overall. Um, shot like thirty three percent on the season. But you look at before the COVID break, and then you just so you just look at before the COVID break, he's shooting over forty percent on four and a half attempts. And then in the Pac-12 and NCAA tournaments, he's shooting over 40% on five attempts a game. So he can be that shooter. It was just that stretch in the middle of the year where he felt ice cold. If he can be the guy he was at the start of the year and in the, the postseason, then that's that's a guy who's really valuable to an NBA team. He can create for himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, good jab step, good step back. That, that step back four-point play he had against Alabama in the Sweet 16 last year is – is pretty much iconic that that is the Jules Bernard play. Um, <laughs> and he also is, is decent enough in catch and shoot uh, just off the top of my head. I don't have the advanced stats and everything, but as a guy who can create for himself, that's a pretty good bench scoring option for an NBA team moving forward. Let's take a turn a little bit though, Travis, to what this means for UCLA. We talk about all the things that Jules does and well, now they aren't going to have that this year. You look at, let's start with three-point shooting. You had Tiger Campbell, who shot over 40% last year, and David Singleton, who shot over 40% last year. Other than that, you don't really have a solid three-point shooter on the team. You have Jaime, who was shooting over 40% before his ankle injuries, so maybe you hope that he can get back to to that kind of guy, and he he was shooting 39% as a junior. So if it turns out it was the the ankles that was messing him up and he has, he's had the surgery and he's healthy now and he can be a good shooter, that's great. But you look at Tiger, before last year, was a 28% three-point shooter in his first two seasons. David Singleton doesn't really create for himself. He's a really good at, at moving off the ball and catch-and-shoot threes, but he's not going to create his own three like Jules did. So you're m- losing a lot of three-point attempts with Jules and Jake Kyman and, and Johnny Juzang all leaving. Mm. And I mean, let alone the efficiency, I don't know who's going to step in to take that many threes. And this was a team that already ranked 11th in the pack 12 last year in threes attempted per game. So it's not like they were taking a ton and now they're going to take even less. Yeah. I would say who it hurts the most is Jaime because they're going to, teams are going to sag in when he plays in the post. They're going to sag in if he has the ball because they don't have, you said he doesn't have the extra shooter. Now, what I have seen on some of the, you know, quote unquote college boards is that Kentucky transfer. uh, Yeah, Keon Brooks. Keon Brooks has UCLA in his top five or whatever the case is. Now that can help because he's a a decent, uh, like, Uh, mid-range shooter. 
He's he's a good mid range shooter. I think. Yeah, mid range. I just 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 keep people honest. Yeah, that's all the, I mean. Yeah, because the the last year or so, I think he's only like a thirty percent three point shooter, and he's only yeah, taking yeah. he's only taking one per game, one and a half per yeah, game. Yeah, he's not a three point shooter per se. But what I, what I was saying for him is that he's a he's a good mid range shooter, and he can keep people honest. Yeah, he's I he's think, a scoring option. Yeah, wherever yeah, and, it's from. Right now, you know, if as as a team, you have to put Singleton in there as a three point shooter. Now he will he will stretch the floor, but that puts a lot of creativity on Tiger and and well, they have Tiger Jaime, and then they bring it in the freshmen that kind of help them create. So uh, what Singleton does, he he will stretch the floor, and so that will give them space for that. But he's kind of one dimensional on the offensive end because he's only bringing that. Uh, he's only bringing in the shooting. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think it hurts UCLA big uh, because losing a player that the kind of a do-it-all player like, uh, like you know, Jules was, along with, you know, the, you know, freshman, phenom, athletic, along with Johnny Juzang. So, you know, and, and a transfer. So you, and, you know, you're both your big men. So you lose a lot of players. You lose basically like six yeah, uh, I think you know. this was this was supposed to be a uh, easier way into a transition kind of season where, I mean, we knew some of these guys were going to leave, but yeah. to have, like you say, Cody, Miles, Johnny, Jules, Peyton, Jake Kyman all leave, <laughs> that you, yeah. you probably expected to have three of them back and three of them go or it, all of them left. I mean, you got Jaime <laughs> back, and he was another one who was kind of in that group of seven guys. Were now imagine, uh, now imagine if Jaime left. Imagine yeah. if Jaime left. Wow. Yeah. So they they are definitely thinking they're lucky stars that Jaime is coming back. That's that's huge for them. But you lose a lot of production um, that makes this a bit more of a of a real transition period. I mean, you have Jaime, and you have Tiger, and you have veterans like like David Singleton. You got Jalen Clark coming back for his junior year. And you got all Americans coming in and Adembona and Tamari Bailey. You're fine. You're still a very good team. I'd say probably uh, pretty comfortably a preseason top 10 team and the Pac 12 preseason favorite. Um, I'm comfortable saying that, but where you stand now versus where you thought you would have been, I don't know, in April at the at the end of March after you were knocked out, it's it's not great. But just looking at the the other aspects of, of Jules's game. That, that you are losing out on. Uh, he was great at drawing free throws from the second he stepped on campus his freshman year. That was the one thing he was really good at. And he uh, didn't draw as many as he as he went on in terms of a per-minute basis, but was still pretty good at getting the line and he led the Pac-12 in free throw percentage at pretty much 82% this year. So that was good. And then, yeah, being that secondary ball handler, he, he could back up Tiger Campbell as a back point guard, but then also let Tiger... Uh, take a few possessions off, hang out in the corner, move around a little bit off the ball. Well, mm-hmm. Jules took the ball up the court and ran the offense from from the top, which was which is good for Tiger, considering how many minutes he played. Yeah, uh, I, I think that puts a lot of pressure on Amari Bailey to yes. to create for himself as a three point shooter to drive to the lane because yeah, Jalen Clark will be in the starting lineup now, and 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 that's. That's good. But Jalen Clark is not going to eat too much into the shots that Jules and, and Johnny were taking. So Amari Bailey is going to have to do a lot of that. Uh, he's going to have to be a, a pretty decent three-point shooter, which he certainly can be. He wasn't great in high school, but 
yeah, that foot injury that people were saying kind of docked his stats a little bit. So let's say he's a little bit better of a three-point shooter. Jaime is going to have to be a better three-point shooter than he was towards the end of the year. And uh, Jalen Clark is going to have to be that guy that he was in that like two-week, one-week stretch where he kind of just went all out supernova mm-hmm. uh, against the Washington and in those games. So you're, you're going to need all those guys to step up. And I think a lot of it is, is on Amari Bailey's shoulders now. Yeah, no, Amari Bailey, and don't forget the other freshman. I yeah, Adembona, but I feel like that's more. Uh, you know, he he he'll he'll be busy filling in for Miles Johnson and Cody Riley. That's that if was he, already if he given. can give them if he can give UCLA, let's just say, like you know, like in between ten and fifteen and like nine rebounds. That's a big help. Oh yeah, that that would that would be huge, especially because that would mean you get more offense out of your post players, which That's means you, you don't mean. need as much from your wing. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, you're right. It, it there's a trade off there. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think he's a better scorer. Like last year, what was you say they probably inside scoring? This year, that shouldn't be an issue if the freshman comes in and you know plays the way he's supposed to play. Yeah, I, I think Bona will be offensively in terms of scoring. Um, I, I don't know about the screen setting and offensive rebounding but scoring wise i think will be better than miles johnson was uh he can get those putbacks and and lobs and and we'll see how he works in the pick and roll with with tyre campbell i think that's Mm -hmm. something to to definitely keep an eye on that there wasn't too much of in the offense last season and you have to go back to the jalen hill days two years ago uh where tyre could work in the pick and roll and and throw lobs i think bona should be able to do that uh, and then I think Mac Etienne might be, I mean, we'll see, cause he's coming off the torn ACL. We saw him play a little bit as a high school senior uh, towards the end of last, last season. So he's going to have to have come a long way since then while also coming back from injury. But I have a feeling he might be the, I don't know. I don't want to say the most talented scorer UCLA has had down low in a couple of years uh, because he, Cody he Riley gets, had his moments where, I mean, he Cody Riley could hit the mid range and he had good uh, post moves, but Cody was also wildly inefficient and missed a lot of bunnies and, uh, wasn't really good in the pick and roll. So I I'm curious to see how Mac fits into that role. If he mm-hmm. and Bona can kind of go 20 minutes, 20 minutes, take up all the time down low and each have their own little things that makes them good. I, I'm, I'm a little worried there i think that might be a spot where you have to add a transfer but at the same time i don't want to take away minutes from those guys or young guys who are both essentially going into their freshman year high high ceiling guys you'd like to think based on where they were ranked coming out of high school and uh yeah you're gonna have to put a lot of trust in them developing this season i think agreed like i said it's gonna be yeah they're gonna need they're gonna be a lot of pressure on the shoulders like i said that's why i think brooks if he did come let's just say he did he can help because he can play the four as well. And they can mm-hmm. put Jaime at the five, him at the four. And so he can, he's a, he's a tweener kind of, you know, wing and he's long. So that, I think that would help UCLA a lot if he came, but we you know, like I said, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, I know the, another guy they were looking at is uh, Jacob Grandison. Uh, he's from Illinois shooting yeah, right small forward yeah. kind of is mm-hmm. another i mean he's 66205 just like jules but he's a 40 mm-hmm. something percent three-point shooter um he was a, pretty much a he was a part-time starter for illinois last year when they won the big 10 and he pretty much started almost every game for them this year average double digit points or 
just just close to it. I know he was uh, he's originally from California, so he, he could come back west, give him that shooting option that would kind of help with spacing, and then that mm-hmm. would help Jaime work better in the post, help Bona do better on lobs and all that. Um, so there def- are definitely options. Getting someone like a true power forward who could maybe then you could play Jaime at the five or the three instead of playing him at the four, and you can see what happens there. There are definitely mm-hmm. options, but mm-hmm. when it comes to adding a guy, adding those transfers, I think Mick Cronin's in a bit of a predicament here because as it stands right now, your starting lineup, Tiger Campbell, Mari Bailey, Jalen Clark, Jaime Hawkins, and then probably Adembona, if not Mac Etienne, which is one of the posts either way. If you go out and add a transfer, you are just, you are directly knocking either Clark or Bailey out of the starting lineup before it was, Oh, it's Jules's decision. He's the one who decide who essentially decides if they're in the starting lineup next year. Plus, if you're Amari Bailey or Dylan Clark, you're like, oh, this is Jules Bernard. It's going to be his fifth year. He's an all Pac-12 level player. But if Mick Cronin goes out and adds a transfer that knocks one of those two guys out of the starting lineup, I don't know what what, what that really does for them because I mean they're two young guys who are going to be looking for minutes to to develop and showcase themselves. Amari Bailey it wants to be that one and done guy. And you saw what Peyton Watson as a one and done guy did. He got pretty much no minutes for Mick Cronin and ended up leaving Westwood before he did much. And then Jalen Clark has said that he wants this to be his Russell Westbrook season where he goes from bench player to, to superstar. And I don't know. Can he do that off the bench? It, it, it introduces a weird little thing where you like to add, but you also want to develop these younger guys and you also don't want to mess things up in terms of, and really pissing them off. But I, I don't know. From a player's perspective, what, what, where would that leave you? Like, what's your take on on where to go next? Look, when you're at UCLA, Kentucky, Duke, you know, you know these high level schools, that's just what they do. All right, it's mm-hmm. just what it is. That's just the nature of the beast. If they bring in players to help them win, they bring in players to help them win. You know, Calipari brings in a new set, a new group every year. You know, you just got it. That's just what it is. Now, if he brings in these transfers to help him win, then you just got to roll with it. You know, um, look, we were the number one. When I came in, we were the number one recruiting class in the country. And you know what Lavin did the next year? Brought in the number one recruiting class in the country. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And like, yeah. and he brought like three, five, seven, nine. You know, like it wasn't like, you know, like 25 this. Like, you know, Jerron Rush was like number three. Dan was like number six, you know, Jerome was like number five, you know, like Ray, Ray Young was like number 10. And that's after bringing in me, Baron Earl, Billy Rico, you know, so uh, Todd. So I think that that's just the nature of the beast. You just got to roll with it, you know, and like the young players, you know, um, they, you know, like Jalen Clark could be like, okay, I want to be Russell Westbrook. He could be like Zach Levine. Zach Levine never started and still was a first round pick over the guys who did start. So it don't really matter. You know, like if you got the game, you got the game. I know Cronin's not going to play any favors to anybody. Um, he's going to give his the main guys, Tiger and Jaime, the chance to, to be the main guys, and then everybody else fall in line. So that's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, I, I, I am a little worried moving forward what that would do because I, I think – if you had a transfer, I think the guy Cronin would boot out of the starting lineup would be Amari Bailey. 
Uh, no, just, no, 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 no. I, I don't know the way he was talking early last year, like Jalen Clark was going to be in the starting lineup. And then Clark had the concussion that knocked him out early. And then he just kind of left him out. So I, okay. I, I would not be surprised if Bailey's the one to move to the bench. If Cronin comes out and his first two five-star McDonald All-American guys that he brings in at UCLA, the first gets, I don't know, what did Watson get? 12 minutes a game. And that's only because there were some injuries sometimes where he got more. I mean, he was barely used in the NCAA <laughs> or Pac-12 tournaments. He was yeah. pretty much buried on the bench. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. you take Amari Bailey, who's the number two player in the country, and you bring him off the bench. It, it should work, and in a different era would work. But with the, the way some of these guys go about the transfer portal and how they have relationships with assistant coaches and AAU programs, I, I think that might kind of give Cronin a, a dark mark on the recruiting trail where people, he'll be going after some guys and they'll think to themselves, like, I don't know, do I want to be like Watson and Bailey who are kind of stashed and, and didn't really I don't get know. I, I, don't, I want a freshman year? I don't know, Sam. I think, look, I think dude's coming to start. He, he, ain't, he ain't coming out the, he ain't coming out start lineup. Uh, that's that's it, my point. It, he he thinks that, but what I if think Cronin it would says, be, oh, "I'm going to bring be, in Keon Brooks and it would I'm going to bring in this guy"? It would be Clark. I think it would be Clark. I don't think it'll be Clark. Has I been mean, there. He's a junior. I think the uh, what's the name for Sierra Canyon? He is not coming off the bench. Neither one of the freshmen McDonald's Americans is coming off the bench. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think that's ideal because yeah, I, yeah. I think Bailey is just uber talented he's the number two player in the country he should he's not coming on the bench he is i guarantee it. i'm just saying I guarantee it. he's not going on the bench it could happen just we'll see we'll, mm, no matter what i i think it'd be the smart move to start him but yeah <laughs> there, there could be other things that mick cronin is weighing that he wants to put clark in the starting lineup and this is all theoretical anyways because they don't have this magical no-name transfer coming in yet <laughs> they, they, we'll, we'll see if they do they have three open scholarship spots so they, they're, they're definitely in line to add someone they're going to get filled i promise you that yeah i i think i think they add one guy i don't think they they use all of them maybe they'll take on another preferred walk-on and see who can kind of stick around as a developmental guy like like uh like kenny nwuba a few years ago i guess five years mm. ago now Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he's still with the program now where he was kind of a, a late addition, a kind of flyer guy who got that scholarship, wasn't very highly ranked, but they said, well, he's got size, he's got defense and rebounding. We'll see how we can develop moving forward. And then of course you have a coaching change after his first, second year. So that kind of throws a wrench in it, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if I, if Mick Cronin and his staff decided to go for a guy like that, who they can kind of develop in the long term because I mean, next year you're going to have a lot of turnover on the roster, so you you want to have guys who will stick around. So, yeah, adding um, Grandison from Illinois would be great, but it's going to be his sixth year. He's done after next year. Keon Brooks would probably go to the NBA draft after next year. Those are both one year guys. So yeah, sure, maybe may, maybe you want a guy who can hold a scholarship spot for three years and, and help help you ease sure. into the transition period a little more. So we'll we'll, we'll see what ends up being. That's true. I'll give you that. That's going to be pretty much it uh, for for this week's episode of Believe in UCLA, presented by Bet Online. Mostly, mostly basketball talk. Jules Bernard is definitely a big move, and now we got a couple of weeks to see what they end up doing in the transfer portal or how they approach things heading into the beginning of practices starting mm-hmm. this summer. But yeah, there, there's definitely 
a lot going on in Westwood. Still got baseball and softball going on. I, I, I've been keeping an eye on this Travis baseball team in the sixth inning. Um, Kelly Austin, the starter, he, he was pitching great. Allows a solo home run, no doubter to Florida State. Just oh, absolutely God. crushed. And then UCLA comes back in the seventh, gets a solo home run to tie it from Kyle Kara. So uh, okay, okay. second and third with two outs now for UCLA. We'll see if they can do something with it. It's, <laughs> it's a fun game. Let me check the, the softball score. UCLA is up 1-0. It's, it's fun. We'll, we'll be keeping an eye on that for sure. And then also uh, NBA draft is only a few weeks away. And obviously yeah. there are three UCLA guys in there. We'll be talking about them, what their prospects are, their outlook, where they end up, how they project. Uh, and then football uh, got a while till fall camp starts <laughs> we'll find things to talk about it wouldn't be yeah, surprised yeah, if a few yeah. more commitments come in in the next few weeks based on all those official visits they had in may i uh, mm-hmm. got a few guys who haven't finalists semi-finalists and, and same with basketball got a few recruits who are finally considering ucla for that 2023 class which is still empty so that that'll definitely get an addition or two pretty soon and we'll be here to talk about it no, so, definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah, Travis, why don't you tell people where they can find you and your work online? Pretty much you can find me at Travis W. Reed. Um, R-E-E-D on Instagram and Travis W. Reed on Facebook. And I post all my social media there. I post everything there. We're also on YouTube, uh, Athlete's Journey. Um, maybe eventually this great show will be on, on YouTube as well. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, definitely. Um, so pretty much, yeah. Uh, you can find me, like I said, Travis W. Reed on Instagram, R-E-E-D, and Travis uh, W. Reed on Facebook. And like I said, on YouTube as well. All right. Sounds good. And you can find me on Twitter at Sam Conan. And make sure to check out allbruins.com, the UCLA site on the Fan Nation Sports Illustrated Networks. And follow on Twitter at SI underscore all Bruins and Facebook at SI dot all Bruins. So thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.